Well, good morning, New City. Good morning, good morning. I'm Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be able to speak life to God's people. Super excited that you are here today. Welcome also to those of you watching via our Matthews campus and Idlewild campus, as well as those of you watching online. Now, before I get into the message today, I want to start with a little bit of family news. Is that all right? All right. So you may not be aware, but our Idlewild campus on last Sunday, they hosted a campus cleanup day hosted a campus cleanup day, you'll see pictures behind me, where right around 100 people came out. Right around 100 people came out to assist in the cleanup. Now, from what I understand, only about 30 were expected. But 100 people showed up, and of the 100, 40 of them were not even connected to New City Church at all. In other words, they were Idlewild staff, families, friends, and people from the community that just wanted to come out and help assist in what God was doing in the community. They trimmed trees, they spread mulch, they decorated classrooms, and they even painted rocks. They even painted rocks. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time of connection with the community. Thank you so much to those of you who were a part of that. We thank you for your efforts. And if you were not, for whatever reason, able to be a part of that and you'd like to, you can just email us at serve at newcity.us, or you can go to the website, newcity.us, click on the Serve tab, and you'll see all the upcoming opportunities that you have to join us in serving the community. And just as a reminder, our Idlewild campus is officially launching on October 27th. So please, please, please be in prayer with us about that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So there are times when good things must come to an end. And this is one of those times. So today we are at the conclusion of our Scent series. We're at the conclusion of our Scent series. Now, I don't know about you, but this series has been uh, very enlightening and refreshing to me. And it's just kind of showed me uh, just exactly what it was that went into uh, the start of the church. So if you remember, we learned things that, you know, Acts was the beginning of the building of the church. Um, I love one of the things we learned. Pastor Chris Payne said that Acts is Luke's documentation of Jesus' declaration. Acts was Luke's documentation of Jesus' declaration from Matthew 16, 18, when he said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Remember way back when, our theme verse was Acts 1-8, when Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if you remember, we started in the book of Acts way back in February and we started in a message called Witness. Y'all remember that? And then we journeyed from Witness to what? Beyond, right? To the Beyond series. And now we are in the final series, in the final installment of that series of the series called Scent. Now, concluding this this series, I want to come from uh, the thought or the idea, fluidity in the process. Fluidity in the process. Stay with me. I promise it'll make sense by the time we get to the end. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, we bless you. We honor you and we adore you. Thank you, God, for a day that was not promised to us. Can't do anything but apologize to you for where we may have missed it on yesterday. For that we say we're sorry. But God, you woke us up today with fresh breath, new mercies 
new grace. So we rejoice because this is the day that you have made. Pray that you'd help us to be glad in it. Now, God, we give you dominion over this moment. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and the discipline to apply your word as we leave from this place. Do, God, whatever it is you have to do, but please get the glory in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, all God's children said amen, 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 and amen. Now, for those of us who are Christ followers, for those of us who are Christ followers, we ought to be on mission or sent just as Paul was sent. In other words, just as God had a plan for Paul, God has a plan for you and I. It's important for us to remember that God sends us for a purpose. God sends us for a purpose, and that purpose is largely to be a witness. But for Paul specifically, a part of that purpose was to testify in Rome. If you remember in Acts 23, 11, the scripture says that the following night, the Lord stood by Paul and told him, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify of me in Rome. And Acts chapter 28 notes the fulfillment of God's plan for Paul. And we'll take a look at that in a minute. But for clarity's sake, I want to just define what fluidity means. Fluidity, fluidity simply means the ability to flow easily or changeability. The ability to flow easily or changeability. Now, here's something that's interesting about a lot of us. Here's something that's interesting. We often think, most of us, we often think we know or at least have a good idea of how God is going to bless us or bring about his plan for our lives. But I believe, if I'm totally honest, that the truth is that many of us confuse our preference with God's plan. We confuse our preference with God's plan because truthfully, if we had it our way, our lives might look a little different today, right? For some of us who are single, if we had it our way, we'd be married today, right? For some of us, maybe your plan was to have been retired by now, but you're still working. Or maybe you thought you'd have children by now, but you don't. Or maybe there's, there's some physical ailments that you're dealing with that God hasn't all the way brought you through with yet. But for a lot of us, if we, if we had it our way, things would be different. But repeat this after me. Say this. Say, God's plan, God's plan is better than, than my preference. New City, what I've come to understand is that God's plan is one thing, but his process is, is another thing. In other words, his process, his, his means to fulfilling his plan. His plan is one thing, but his process is another. And our challenge, if we are to be fulfilled, if we are to fulfill rather the purpose for which God sends us, is to be faithful to the plan, yet fluid in the process. Faithful to the plan, yet fluid in the process. And I believe that Paul was a great example of that. So let's look at Acts 28. I want to read verses 1 through 7 in your hearing. Now remember, we're talking about being fluid in the process that God chooses to use to bring about the fulfillment of his plan. Amen? Acts 28. 
after we were brought safely through. We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. And verse 7, now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Now let's stop right there. Now, according to what we just read, here's what we know about God's plan for Paul, and I believe it's the same for us. Here's what we know. We know, number one, that God will provide. God will provide. We just read it in Acts 28:2. It said that he provided to them, provided for them, for, because, through the islanders, rather, who showed them unusual kindness, who welcomed them and built a fire. God also provided for them through the chief of the island. We just read it. He entertained them and treated them hospitably for three days. So we know God will provide. We just don't know how God is going to do that, right? We just don't know how. One of the things uh, I'm reminded of as I read this, I love it in 1 Kings chapter 17. It talked about Elijah, right? And in the story, God told Elijah to go hide by the brook. God told Elijah to go hide by the brook, and he says, I will provide for you there. He says, you will drink water from the brook, and I'll send the ravens to come and feed you. Now, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Don't judge me. But when I read that and it said that the ravens will come and feed him, I thought, God, a raven? Why a raven? A raven is a dirty bird. A raven is a scavenger. I said, God, why not a dove? Why not an eagle? Right? Now, y'all know I ain't the only one. Y'all know y'all get that way sometimes. But I thought, why, why, why a raven? But here's the thing. We never know how God is going to provide, right? I can imagine that if I was Paul, I wouldn't care who, how God brought the food in, right, as long as I ate. But for many of us in the situations and circumstances of our life, if we're honest, we care about how, how God provides for us. So we know that God will provide. Here's something else we found out in what we just read. We know that God will not only provide, but we know that God will protect. We read it in verses 3 through 5. And if you remember when we talked through Acts 27 last week, we saw that God protected Paul through the storm, through the shipwreck, and protected him from the soldiers, if y'all remember that. And we just read that God protected him from the snake. Now get this, the snake didn't just bite him, y'all. The, the scripture said the snake fastened to his hand. The snake fastened to his hand. Now get this, I don't know who this is for, but... but but God didn't bring you through the storms of life just to let the snakes kill you. God didn't bring you through the storms in your life just to let the snakes kill you. So we learned in what we just read that God will not only provide for us, 
but we also learn that God will protect. And so as we go on here in Acts chapter number 28, we get to verses 15 and 16, we see more examples of God's favor and his grace and his provision. Let me read it for you, Acts 28, 15. It says, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as from the forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul is now arriving in Rome. Paul arrived in Rome right around 60 AD. Now, if you, if, if you remember some context our pastor gave us that Rome was the Mecca in Paul's day. Rome was the Mecca. It was literally referred to as the ends of the earth. But we see here that there were brothers and sisters who came from the Forum of Apius and three taverns. Now, to give you a little context with this, the Forum of Apius was 43 miles southeast of Rome. Three taverns was 33 miles. So in Paul's day, that was a, in Paul's time, that was a day's journey. That was a tired day's journey. So that's why Paul took courage when he saw them, because he knew that these people had traveled a long way. And so this was a form of God providing for Paul through encouragement, providing for Paul through encouragement. So we know that for those of us who are on mission, God will provide, God will protect. But what we are not always so sure about is how it is God will do what he said he's going to do. We don't always know that. In other words, God's process. Now, I believe that the process is often where many of us forfeit the promise. The process, this, this, this journey that God takes us on is where many of us, if we're honest, we jump ship right here. God is taking too long. I don't, I don't understand why I'm not where I should be in life. And this is where we get distracted. We get thrown off course because the process is not what we think it should be. The process is often uncomfortable. The process is often painful. And this is where we jump ship. I want you to remember that when Paul arrives here in Rome, Paul is a prisoner. He's a prisoner. He is arriving in Rome to fulfill the purpose that God had sent him. But he's a prisoner. I don't know about you, but I would have said, God, I'll fulfill this, but can you take these chains off me, please? <laughs> or, or I would have thought that I wasn't in the plan of God because I was still bound. If you remember the Israelites, when God had delivered them and freed them, they were literally free but mentally bound. This is why an eight to 11 day journey took 40 years. And I can imagine that all of these things that Paul went through was not a part of his plan. It wasn't a part of his plan. If you remember, Paul was converted from a life of persecuting Christians. He was converted from that, but yet his ministry was nothing but persecution. His ministry was nothing but persecution. Take a listen to some of the things, just a few of the things that Paul went through just in the book of Acts alone. In Acts 9, his life was threatened and he had to escape Damascus in a basket. In Acts 14, he was stoned at Lystra. In Acts 16, Scripture mentions him and Silas being in prison. In Acts 21, Paul was arrested in the temple. In the temple, he was arrested. There was a plot to kill him in Acts 23. And we see here in Acts 28 that Paul was imprisoned yet again. Now, 
Had Paul judged his ministry by ease and smooth of days, he would have concluded that he was not in the will of God for his life. He would have concluded that. And subsequently, he would have given up. But instead, Paul remained faithful to the Lord and did not give up in spite of the opposition. Paul was fluid in the process. But Paul wasn't alone. The scripture gives us many examples of people who were in similar situations. I love Joseph's story. I love Joseph's story. You remember Joseph. Many of us believe that when things go wrong, we must be outside of God's will. Joseph faced many, many bad situations, many. First of all, in Genesis 37, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, by his brothers. Now, Pulse check. If that was me, if that was me and I was sold into slavery by my brothers, I would have probably cut the whole family off. <laughs> I would have probably cut the whole, I would have been what they call salty. I would have. Yes, I would have. Yes, I would have. I promise you. But this was a part of God's process for Joseph. This was a part of his process. We also learned in Genesis 39 that he was accused wrongfully of impropriety. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, he was forgotten in prison by the same people he helped. He was forgotten in prison by the same people he helped until eventually in Genesis 41 being promoted to power and usefulness. Now, in spite of all of that, in spite of everything that Joseph went through, I love what he says in Genesis 45.5. I love what he says. He says, and now do not be distressed. Now he's talking to his brothers now. He has finally revealed himself to his brothers. So now they know who he is. He's revealed himself to them. And he says, and do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. I love that. Essentially saying, don't beat yourselves up, guys. He says, because you sold me here. For God sent me here to preserve life. God sent me here to preserve life. And one of the things that this makes me think about is if it didn't, if it wasn't as Paul planned, it wasn't as, as Joseph would have planned, certainly it's not going to be as you and I planned. Right? There are many things in my life, many situations I've been through that it did not go as I would have liked for it to go or as I would have planned. And I believe that part of the process calls for us to self-examine. Part of the process calls for you and I to stop and take inventory of where we are and to examine our lives. Because God's divine process not only brings perspective, but it also cultivates gratitude and an appreciation for the promise once we receive it. Because it's, it's easy to, to, to be grateful once you receive the promise, right? That's easy. But what's difficult for many of us is to be grateful in the middle of lack, in the middle of a situation that's painful, in the middle of a situation that's uncomfortable. It's hard for you and I to be grateful there. But I want to show you something that I think helps to give perspective uh, to the things we go through. Let's look at Acts 28, verse 17. Acts 28, verse 17. And it reads, after three days, he called together local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, 
Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. And verse 20, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And there it is right there. The second part of verse 20. He says, it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, it is bigger than you and I. It's bigger than you and I. So the pain that you may currently be feeling, the discomfort that you may currently be feeling is bigger than you. Listen, there are people along your destiny that are depending on you and I to be fluid through this process that God brings us through. People we haven't even met yet, people we may not even meet until five years from now, they're waiting for you and I to be fluid in God's process. Ladies and gentlemen, it is bigger than you and I. It is bigger than us. And Paul understood this. Paul understood that everything that he was going through, everything he had been through, it was bigger than him. And that's why he makes this statement here. It's for the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And part of the process, in my opinion, helps to purge some things out of us that will, that will hinder us ineffective when we get to our destiny. You've heard the saying that your gifts will take you somewhere, but it's your character that keeps you there. And so the process helps develop our character. So the process helps to develop because a lot of times we're selfish, right? A lot of times we're impatient because, see, we may know God to be the author. We may know God to be the author, but if we're honest, we like to take the pen and fill in the gaps at times. We like to take the pen and write our own stories. But here's what happens when what God has offered and what we write don't line up we start asking the question, why? Start asking the question, why? God, God, why me? God, why am I still single? God, why haven't you taken this illness from my body? God, why haven't you done this for me? Why haven't you done that for me? And undoubtedly, we start, we start comparing our lives to somebody else. God, she, you let her get married? And I've been serving and tithing for all these years, but she's married and I'm not? We compare, and undoubtedly what also happens is we start to blame God, right? We start to blame God because the things aren't going as we would have it to go. And this is a frustrating cycle that we stay in. It's a frustrating cycle. It's a frustrating cycle for you and I, and it's a frustrating place for us to live our lives out of. And I believe that this, this question of why, it causes us to miss God in the moments of our day. Church, I believe that God is dynamic, not static. In other words, God is always moving. God is always doing things. The question is, how aware are we of what God, God is doing in our lives? How aware are we? And so we wrestle with this, with this question, why? And, and let's be honest, how many times has your why question got answered? Right? So 
Let me suggest that instead of asking the question why, let's start asking the question who. Instead of asking why, let's start asking who. God, what are you trying to show me about who you are in this process? God, what are you trying to show me about who you are? What, what parts of your character are you trying to reveal to me in this storm? What are you trying to show me? And then, God, how can I apply what you show me to who I am? Because the why question may never get answered, but God always wants to reveal who he is. In fact, that's why he sends you and I to reveal who he is, to be a witness. But the process is, is often very uncomfortable. I remember years ago, one of the first opportunities I got to preach, I had to go to New York where I'm from and one of my aunts had passed away. And this was about seven days before I had to deliver my sermon. And we go up there and it was my dad, my brother and myself, and we go up and, and at the time I had a white Maxima, I was living in Maryland, so I had a white Maxima with Maryland plates. And we go up and we're leaving the next day and we get the genius idea the night before to put the bags in the car. Now, I say genius because we should have known better. Long story short, we come out the next morning, and they bust my windows, took everything out of my car. To include my Bible with my notes and everything I had to preach with seven days later. So, I did what any upstanding preacher would do. I went home to my, to my pastor at the time. I said, hey, pastor, I, this is what happened. I can't. I can't do this. I can't, I can't preach. He said, I understand. But you will. <laughs> you will. And so I, naturally, I went into panic mode. I went into panic mode because now I had to prepare and do all of this. And, and it was a very powerful lesson that I learned at the end of it. After I spoke, he got up and he said, son, you will learn that as you stand in this position, it can oftentimes be a very fearful and a very ugly place to be in. He said, but you have to learn how to lean on and depend on God. He said, because see, you was cute before. You had your notes and definitions and you had everything lined out perfect. But you have to learn how to depend on God. He said, preparation has its place, but you have to always leave room for God to do what it is that only God can do. And so that process was uncomfortable for me. It was painful. I was on the heels of, 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 of paying my last respects to a family member. But this was a process that you are now eating the fruit of because it taught me how to be fluid through God's process. And so my bottom line is simply this. I said it before and I'll say it again. In order to fulfill God's purpose for sending us. We must remain faithful to the plan, yet fluid in his process. And we do that by changing the narrative and learning to stop asking why and start asking who. And one of the things I know since God is faithful is he will show up in the middle of your circumstance. One of the things I've learned is the painful things, the painful areas of my life, the painful times, those are the times that are ripe for God's glory. They're ripe for God to show up. And so as we bring it into this sense series, 
I want you to know that God is not only able to provide, he's not only able to protect, but if we learn to ask the right question, his hand will be more evident in the process. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Eternal God, we bless you. Thank you so much for finding us right where we are. Thank you so much for speaking to the heart of our situations, God. Thank you for the ways you've provided for us. Thank you for the ways you've protected us, God. Now we ask that you forgive us for the hard places in the process where we jump ship, where we decided to do things our way and not your way. Thank you for the day that we can get back on track, Lord. Not that we might be perfect, but that we'll walk with you. For you are the perfect one. So we pray, God, as the days and the weeks and the months go on, you'd help us to be fluid through your processes, that we might fulfill the plan for which you have created us in the first place. We ask that you get the glory in all that we are and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.